I guess the first place I wanted to start is I'm trying to be timely with all this stuff going on around the world and, and I want to get everybody's take on it um, is that how are you guys adapting to these months and months of, of restrictions and changes and different financial budgets people have? How have you guys adapted and how do you think people can, can learn from you, the way you've adapted for like the new personal trainers coming into the industry? You know, they're, for, they're, they're really in a tough position. They don't have an established business. You know, they're just getting clients. What do you say to them and from what you've learned in this time? Costa, hit, hit us off. Do you, you, have any, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, we're live now. We, uh, yes, we are. Yeah, but um, yeah, so like before, you know, this even happened, I've always was just doing, um, you know, I've never been an online coach before. I've always just been doing, um, you know, group group sessions and one-on-one and, you know, individual programming and all that. And I've been sending programs out to athletes and stuff, but I usually run it through them first. Right, and then after they've done the initial screening and stuff, then they take off that program. But I've yeah. never actually had to adapt and actually run sessions online, like through Zoom, which I had to learn because I'm not very tech savvy either. But I just had to, like, you know, how, how do I serve all the people that I currently have, you know, especially through my group setting and all that sort of stuff. So I had to pretty much, yeah, learn how to, you know, how to run sessions, learn how to record sessions, learn how to program sessions through online, which at the start was a bit, you know, daunting and, you know, I'm like, might better, you know, just was hard to get my head around there. But then after a while, once you get more into it, um, that was probably the biggest thing that I've learned so far is actually learn how to run online sessions and, yeah. you know, and deal with people. I think and, there's, uh, there's a lesson there. I think that that's like you, it sounded like you didn't have like the online systems and programming set up, no, but so many people no. don't. I think that's, would you say that's the thing that people should have as a backup? Yeah, correct. Well, that's, and now I'm just looking through everything. Um, it's it's good to have different um, structures and systems. And that's what I'm looking for now, because just in case something like this happens again, it's good to have, you know, a bit of an online system, um, to have, um, you know, a, an outdoor boot camp system as well and having a one-on-one stream as well and also a group training uh, stream as well. That's probably the biggest thing that, that has taught me, just having different things to help you serve the people because, you know, probably Dale and Tim's probably in the same boat. Um, you know, we're constantly in the gym and, you know, and doing stuff, especially like me, I do a lot of field-based stuff as well. But when all that stuff, stuff stopped, you have to really you got to think again and be able to reprogram and restructure everything that, you know, and you're really, really out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. That That's, that's yeah, if it's anything that I need to say, just about having more, like more more systems and more structures just in case something was, you know, to go, to go wrong again like this or, or have a backup plan. So if something does happen, you've got, you know, you can transfer, you know, your people that are coming in the gym into your outdoor setting or, the people that are doing one-on-one with you into the zoom sessions or th- that and that kind of stuff so that's that's what I, that's where i'm at and that's what my you know thinking has been lately is just to make sure having the right structures and the right system just in case this was to happen again yeah i think that's great because it's not i think it's just it's not for me it's not if it's when like there's gonna be more disruption in the future so what why Correct. not prepare for it dale what, what's yeah. your two cents on this yeah well obviously <clears throat> Uh, everyone was pretty blindsided by the decision to shut out uh, gyms and PT studios. So I think everyone was sort of caught off guard a little bit. But uh, you know, I've sort of looked at it from the perspective that's an opportunity to 
um, you know, utilize the time wisely. Uh, I've, I've spoken to a lot of PTs and, um, you know, especially in the first week, they were just, you know, their words were they were just going to ride it out. They were just going to stay at home. They were going to go on job seeker or job keeper or whatever it was. And they were just going to, you know, ride it out um, until it ended where, where I sort of thought there was a bit of a waste of a waste of opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I've been using this time uh, as much as I can to sort of get my head back in the books, which is something that I haven't had the opportunity to do in the last couple of years, being so busy. Um, so I've been able to sort of look back on, on some of this original strength training research um, but then also come up with a lot of new content uh, that'll serve us well going forward. So, you know, the creation of a few new courses, uh, a, a lot of content for, for PTs. Um, so, that, I mean, that's basically how I've been using my time. But in regards to the clients, uh, for me, it wasn't such a big change because <clears throat> I tend to take quite a hands-on approach to how my clients are you know, being dealt with when they're not you know, with me in the gym. So I train a lot of PTs, a lot of people that I only see once a week or once a fortnight. So for them, um, their contact hours with me were fairly minimal to begin with. So I usually keep in contact with them via text message or uh, email or whatever it is. So uh, for me, it wasn't such a big step. Um, a lot of my work is, is via correspondence anyway. It was just about getting through that initial period with um, you know, getting people equipment, finding out what equipment they had. Uh, and then dealing with it from there. So I think the the prepared ones or, or the ones that, that did their work in the first couple of weeks of the, the lockdown have done really well. Um, but there, yeah, there is a lot of people I think out there that have just, just sat on the couch um, and haven't used their time quite as wisely. Well, I'm curious, what are the, uh, the resources, the books that you're reading right now? What do you, um, and do you think that they're good ones for like early PTs coming in the industry? Yeah, well, I think, I think for me, like I've got a, fairly extensive educational background but for me the thing that I was sort of missing and and trying to explore is that the the sort of true uh you know the true reasonings I suppose behind you know doing what we do rather than new methods or uh new training protocols it's, it's just bagging down to the nuts and bolts um so a lot of them were sort of heavy heavy studies you know heavy literature um you know dating back to the 60s and 70s so it's, it may not be applicable for the entry-level PT but you know, going back over some of the, the the books and articles that got me originally. So um, a lot of uh, work by Charles Polkman, guys like Ian King, Dave Tate on on, on T Nation. Basically, just looking back over those articles and just and just um, yeah, just reiterating the things that that got me into PT in the first place. For sure, Tim. What about you? Uh, for us, obviously, look having Dale on board was was a blessing because he was there. I think I was truly blindsided when we first hit lockdown, a bit of a shock. And uh, he suggested doing like equipment rental packages with uh, online coaching. So I was like, well, fuck. I, I had at that time, because I was so heavily focused with the business on one-on-one -on -one in person, I, I sort of resisted going online, right? But always had a vision of long-term having like a high-end one-to-one online personal coaching service, which basically is like everything we do on our in-person surface, but in an online capacity and then heading towards like, uh, you know, different online income streams. And so um, the, the initial start having, having those equipment rental packages, having people uh, sign up to online, online with equipment rental, online, just without with whatever they had uh you know helped survive and keep the business ticking over but also 
helped sort of encourage like the innovation. So like now, I mean, I know touch wood, if everything goes right, we're going to go back and open up on the 22nd of June, but I'm still working on an online business model. I'm still working on a few different phases of online uh, systems. So, and basically creating multiple income streams and like a, a passive income potentially as well. So if something happens, like again, if there is disruption, it's okay because there's money coming in. So going back to your first question about like, what would you recommend for the new trainers now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is like a lot of trainers that are paying rent to a gym think they're running a business, but when they're new to it, like really they're paying that job. You know what I mean? They're paying rent to have a job, right? So they, they've got to diversify. They're going to have multiple income streams. So this isn't like uh, we just went online because of COVID and, and you know, the lockdown. It's like, well, we were forced to go online and innovate, but we we will keep that. And that's, that's something that they should do. They should have multiple income streams. They should have where, like, okay, so people, you know, say the gym's lockdown's lifted, they're going back to the gym. And working but say they get a client they can't afford their weekly one-to-one services there might be an online package that they could afford there might be like a hybrid coaching method where it combines a bit of online and in-person training where they could afford say so my advice to them is is to innovate like use the opportunity now to innovate and, and work on things that you weren't doing whether it's learning whether it's mastering mastering your craft whether it's working like learning um the digital space and marketing brushing up on sales like there's there's trainers and and i'll give you these two examples like there's two trainers that i know that were working at the same gym right and one he's super motivated and he's super like determined to succeed and any obstacle he'll take he'll just you know he'll work on it he'll, he'll find a way and so he instantly like the weekend after the day he knew they were going in lockdown he set up a home gym right he the other girl that was working at that gym she took the week off before lockdown Mm. and because she was worried that she was going to get sick so you imagine that like all the clients expecting one-on-one pt right and she's taken that week off and then the next week they're locked down what happened her business went Right. So don't sit on your hands. Don't don't like waste time. Don't think you're just going to get job keeper, job seeker and it's all going to blow over, like still engage your clients and work on getting your business in. 100 percent. I'm so glad you said that because I don't think we should act like, all right, everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows from now on. Everything's just going to be fine. Right. Oh, the restrictions are going to ease. That's best case scenario. The restrictions will continue to ease, ease. We do a really good job and the government doesn't spaz out and have some big reactionary uh, changes to our in it for an explosion of cases if there is one but if there is an explosion of cases of deaths whatever in the future later this year I think people can take what you guys have been saying especially what you just said Tim and run with that build those online systems when when sow the seeds now when you have more time so that you can make the harvest when shit hits the fan because it will yeah Hundred percent. Um, from here, guys, I wanted to kind of shift gears to uh, you know each of you individually. Like Costa, I know you you do a lot of like junior development, and you know your background's more martial arts and fighting. Um, 
I wanted yeah. to know basically what do you think are the gaps in junior athletic development and even martial art fighting sport training that the new personal trainers and coaches need to know. And if you guys, Dale or Tim, if you got any opinions or thoughts on this, please chime in as well. But what do you think, Costa? Yeah, look, a lot of the junior development stuff and why I'm so big on it is a lot of coaches and, you know, a lot of parents still don't have a, a clear understanding of, you know, what junior athlete development really is and SNC. So a lot of them think that, you know, you're going to get kicked in, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, they think you're going to be lifting heavy weights. Well, it doesn't, that's not what junior athlete development's all about. So it's about teaching them how to jump, teach them how to land, teach them how to sprint, you know what I mean? Teach them how to decelerate, teach them all the good fundamental patterns and, you know, and build a good foundation for the future. So that's why I'm so big on junior athlete development because I just think there's such a gap and then nobody's doing it properly. You know what I mean? I still deal with coaches and they're still doing static stretching before warm-ups. Right before they go into their drills, it shouldn't be like that. You got to be doing dynamic. You got to do a lot of activation, a lot of mobility. Get them, get them moving well, and then they can do their um, football session. So I think that's why I'm so big on it, and I love it so much because there's no one really. There is people doing it, like yourself and Woodford and a few others, but I just think there's such, especially in the private sector, there's not many people emphasising the, the importance of it, and that's why I'm so big on it because a lot of people are still doing the wrong thing and training the kids wrong and we know it's wrong but for me it's more about educating parents and educating coaches to really understand what junior athlete development really is and that's why i've got such a big passion on it because when i was playing sport when i was younger i never had any of this sort of stuff you know what i mean you're just your pure, you know your pure static, uh, static and going for a long slow distance run and all that sort of stuff, which is not athlete development. It's not helping you improve your playing performance. And that's why I'm so big on it and I'm trying to educate and you know, change the way people are thinking. And and then coming from a martial arts background, you know, used used to fight, you know, kickboxing and, you know, fought a few amateurs, then I, then I turned professional and had a few fights in that as well. But, you know, having that skill set, you know what I mean? And then people coming to me, they're not going to get boxer size. You know what I mean? They're actually going to learn how to punch and how to kick and all that sort of stuff properly, which makes a big difference for having someone down the road that's just done their, um, just done a certification in holding pads. You know what I mean? There's a lot more to it than just being a pad holder. You know what I mean? Teaching them the right, teaching them how to twist, teaching them all the right fundamentals. And and the way I got into SNC mostly was because, you know, I used to fight, but I never had my first three, four fights. I pretty much didn't do any SNC. Um, it was just your old school, you know, kickboxing, you know, your sparring, your pads, your long, 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 slow distance run. And I just knew I lacked, I lacked strength. I, I, I lacked that, you know, knockout ability that, you know, my body wasn't up to scratch as well. The way I looked for my first two, three fights, I didn't have much of a, you know, nutrition. Even though I was studying, I never had it. So I just thought like there's more out there and there's more that I can do to help me perform better as a fighter. So I started doing a lot of research, I started seeing a lot of coaches, started going to a lot of gyms, um, just for my own for my own benefit, because I knew there was more to just doing bicep curls and you know and triceps for as a performance in SNC. So that's when I started to, you know, really work out. You know, obviously, you know, you start to put things together as a fighter, you go, okay, you know, you've got to use your core a lot, you know what I mean? You've got to do a lot of transverse work and all that sort of stuff. And I started really to understand and really you know, something to emphasize on about programming and periodization and tapering and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's all my difference in my skill set is because I've been through it and I've done it. So everyone that comes to me, if they come from a, 
you know, I work with, even though I train a few amateurs and professional fighters, I still work with other other fighters as well that um, that have their own trainers and they come and see me just for their own SNC. That's because I've been there and I've done that. So I think that's where I differ compared to other people because I'm, I'm, I've been through those steps and I know what really works and what needs to be done to be able to perform better. Mm. That answers the question. Yeah, well said. Dale and Tim, I, I know it's not your specialty, but do you guys have any thoughts on this? Otherwise, I wanted to ask you about uh, body composition. Dale knows his stuff when it comes to training athletes. So anything athlete development uh, is one to us. Uh, do you want to perhaps just, uh, just uh, reiterate that original question for me? Well, Costa had well. It was it was specifically for Costa, but it was about you know where new coaches and coaches in general are what they can take and what they're getting wrong within junior athletic development, um, and what you guys would kind of say to those young coaches who often have to sell to the parents, which I think is a lesson in there as well. Yeah, well, I think. Uh... We're in we're in strange times because we've got uh, the influence of Instagram and and Facebook and uh, I, th- I think a lot of especially younger um, trainers and and I'm probably in that age group although I don't maybe consider myself part of part of that demographic is that, is that we're always trying to do the um, the fancy or the things that look good or the things that might be trendy or the things that might be in in vogue rather than actually doing the things that are, are needed to be done even though they might be. Uh, really basic so I, I think for any any coaches getting into any um, uh, clientele no matter what they are is that they just need to know their basics and their fundamentals incredibly well um, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're training kids training elderlies training you know pros or amateurs you, you've just got to know your, your your basic programming and program improvisation um, and execution dance with T you have to have it refined really well um, and, and don't go searching for these fancy or extreme methods until you've got the fundamentals um, absolutely sharpened um, because it won't work uh, and it'll put the client at risk and it'll put um, you, know, you at risk as a, as a coach. So, um, you know, really dig deep in, into knowing, you know, what your sets and reps do, what your exercises do properly, knowing the difference in adaptations between a three rep set and a 10 rep set, you know, what, what you're going to get out of it. So, if you can nail the fundamentals, then uh, you're going to be in good stead. But don't really progress into anything more fancy until you until you know that. Right. And um, I agree there with Dale 100%. And, you know, a lot of PTs that should have a system that they follow, as in, like, exercise selection and have, like, an order from, like, going, you know, from easy down to complex. Because, like Dale said, a lot of – even a lot of personal trainers that come and see me, they look, like, on Instagram and they go, oh, look at this exercise. And it's just like – Man, this is so complex. You can't make someone do that because the way I look is risk versus reward, right? And first, make sure that there is no risk, really. Making making sure you you nail the fundamentals and making sure you have you have steps. You know what I mean? Have a lunge progression, have a step up progression, have a squat progression, and then tick those boxes off. And once you tick those boxes off, you move on. And that's and that's what 100. I'll agree. I'll agree with Dale. Just nail all the fundamentals and then slowly build a good base after that. Okay. Well, that leads into. How, what do you guys think is the most effective way to learn the fundamentals? Because you have, I mean, you guys have partnered with, with us at Orphic, um, Dale and Tim, for the certificate three and four in fitness. And our mission is to make the most comprehensive, highest quality cert in the country. That's it. So leading into that, do you think that is the way to develop those fundamentals? And, and why did you guys decide 
candidly, why did you guys decide us out of the hundreds of different other providers there are? Look, when when I first spoke to Alex about his vision with Orphic and that, I so just backtracking, um, we we opened our academy in two seventeen, I think it was, maybe it was two eighteen, and uh, we're running continuing education courses and internships and that for personal trainers, right? And it was because I saw a massive gap from the current Cert fours that were out there and you know, what, what they learn and their base knowledge at the start and what they need to know. So I, I was very fortunate. Like, I'm a dinosaur. You know, I did my TAFE course, uh, Cert 3, Cert 4, fuck, 15 years ago. And I was taught periodization. I was taught progressive overload. I was taught, like, the fundamentals, right, to a decent level. And it's like the courses now don't have that. So... When, when, you know, I'd spoken to Alex and, and, you know, seen his vision and, and it was basically like, well, look, you know, in a few years, we wanted our own RTO. We wanted to run our own set, read so four. They're coming on board. Like they, they've come to us. We can speed up that process. And, um, you know, because the mentality is there. Like we're seeing a gap in the market. We're seeing a gap where people, qualified and and the problem with like this instagram generation is they get qualified they think that they're going to be a 100k a year trainer in the first year but they think they're going to be an online coach but fuck if no one knows you you're not gonna you, you and you go online you're going to be competing against all the influencers and then all the brands that uh, uh have been around for ages that have the results right um so the the fundamentals for these guys is super important so yeah look i i do think that there needs to be a thorough education for the cert three cert four i do like how we've been able to set up ours with orphic and, and having that combination of like it should never be online only like these courses that are online only are a fucking joke like you learn so much of the technical skills in person so the there needs to be like that hybrid again of of the online education for the theory but maybe some lecturing theory in person and then of course the prac development and the shadowing because even like there's one um organization i probably won't name but they they cut corners left right and center for their set three set four and the, the it was basically everyone learned to push pull leg and systemize programming and and their coaches like when when I was getting their resumes, they were unemployable, and because they didn't know the fundamentals. But yeah, we need it. We need like you know the the set three set four needs the right fundamentals and that. But then there needs to be a pipeline. Like there needs to be the encouragement and the emphasis on continuing education. Like Dal and I each have probably spent two hundred k on our education. Dal has actually probably spent more than what I have, right? And, and we still, like, we're lifelong learners, you know. We're still, you know, there's there's no way, like, obviously COVID changes things, but I can never see myself, even if I end up, like, you know, not seeing clients hardly at all, I can never see myself not doing courses. Do you know what I mean? So the the emphasis needs to be on the foundations being created, right, in the actual Cert 3, Cert 4, and then the emphasis on continuing education. Very well said. Yeah. It's just honest, man. It's That's just it. honest. Appreciate that. Dale, what do you think? 
Yeah, I agree with uh, everything Tim said. Um, what I would like to add, though, is that it's it's definitely on the student. I think to um, you know it, it excel. I think a lot of uh, students, both going through Cert Three and Four and going through Sports Science degrees, um, are, are quite comfortable um, and content just uh, just sitting there and and sort of you know partially learning the information that's been put forward, rather than sort of you know having their diligence and um, and, and drive to sort of further themselves. So I think it comes down to the student more than anything in, in terms of, you know, whether they're actually thinking about what they're doing all the time, thinking about how to create better systems, better ways of doing things. Um, and also, you know, going out and seeking, seeking information from people that have, you know, done incredibly well. So, you know, I, I mentor a lot of PTs um, and, you know, a lot of them have, have been through uh, courses quite extensively but they just haven't been questioning what they've been doing. They haven't been, you know, really looking at what the, uh, what their education is and, and then soaking it in and then implementing it. So, uh, I think the onus is on the student. Um, but yeah, just to add to what Tim said, I think, you know, in, in terms of continuing education, uh, courses will take you so far, but I think, um, you know, private learning with practitioners that have, that have excelled is, um, definitely money well spent. So, you know, if you're in a certain niche, you're in this this the sport you know field sports sector or if you're in the strength sector or whatever it is you know finding the top guys and they might be internationally hiring them out for consults whether it's uh you know face to face or via zoom or uh whatever it is is definitely money well spent and i've i've done that a lot and that's that's been the best use of or at least in the last couple of years been the best use of my um you know time and money to learn directly from you know the guys that are at the top of the chain and, uh, you know, you get the best information that way. Yeah, you guys did that. You guys did that with, with Charles Poliquin, the late Charles Poliquin. Can you guys talk about kind of the, the biggest lessons and highlights that stick with you to this day that you learned from him? Now you want to go first? Yeah, I was, I was quite fortunate to, to meet Charles on, on several occasions. I um, had some private time booked with him. Um <clears throat> Uh, which, which we unfortunately didn't get to, um, you know, fulfil due to his passing. But uh, you know, I studied with him in Victoria and in and in Western Australia on on several tours in 2015, 2016. Um, like I, I think with Charles is that yeah, um, it's quite uh, uh, mesmerising. Probably isn't the right isn't the right word, but he's definitely a character. Yeah, he's definitely a character, and probably the things that I took from things that I took from him is that, um, you know, I suppose how to put things in a, in a sequence over a period of time, I suppose periodization, he was probably one of the early influences on, on my style of periodizing, uh, strength training as well. But also I think, you know, just the, just the drive and effort, uh, that he put into, you know, getting better, even at his age, you know, into his fifties, he was still, you know, paying, uh, professionals for consulting as well. He was still learning new skills, um, he was still, uh, you know, liaising with a lot of other practitioners around the world. So even even at the height of his success, and even you know before his passing, he was still investing in his own education. So, you know, for me, you know, to see a guy that was skilled in so many areas, you know, definitely drove me to uh, expanding my knowledge base. So for you, it was just the idea of investing in education. For him, you saw that that was kind of the biggest thing you learned from him. Well, I mean, we saw we saw how successful he was, you know, due to various reasons. He was, um, you know, at, at right places at the right time, and you know, definitely, um, 
worked with a lot of great individuals that, that helped him up, but also he was skilled in so many areas. He was skilled in manual, manual therapy. He was great with functional medicine, you know, definitely towards the back end of his career. You know, he worked with athletes in a multitude of different sports, <clears throat> but he was able to do that because he had a skill set which was bigger, bigger than anyone else's. Um, you know, he could use frequency-specific microcurrent. He knew how to use IVs and knew how to treat people manually for injuries. Um, so for me, you know, I, I suppose copying that uh, was something I aspired to because it allows me to you know, work with a variety of clientele effectively. There you go. Tim, what, what did you take from him? Uh, the first quote I always remember was you, you need to learn more to earn more. Um, I did numerous consultations with Charles Polkin. Um, a lot of the time it was, it was business. Um, you know, and, and it's funny when people piss and moan about paying like over a hundred bucks an hour for a PT session or whatever. Every time I saw him, I'd pay for his courses, which were not cheap. And for private consults, it would be like a thousand dollars an hour. But that thousand dollars I spent for that hour, I would make eight thousand dollars from it. You know, so the the two yeah the two biggest things I learned from him, three actually was yeah like I said, learn more to earn more, um, and innovation like he wasn't a one-dimensional person like he had like as Dan said he was multi-skilled multi-talented and you know it's, it's easy for people to get a result once right but when when you produce results time and time again that's another thing the other thing that that i really liked was you know um i, I did the last course uh his last by cities course in 2013 and I remember him talking about things like in functional medicine and and uh, that and even um, in other consults of strength training that I'd never seen the research for it or I'd never seen and you know I'm not that too heavy into the science like for me if something works I'll run with it um, I don't always need to know why like if I, if I just time and time again see the evidence of it working I will but he was out of the curve that a lot of the time he'd say something, say in 2013, and then maybe in 2015, I heard that in mainstream media, or I heard that, you know, from other, like, scholars, like, say, Sean Fold said something that, you know, I, oh, yeah, I heard this from Charles Polkland years ago. Um, so the the innovation was a big thing, and just the holistic uh, mindset that he had, that's, that's what, so one of my first coaches um, that I traveled into state to learn from had learned heavily from him. And there was a whole holistic mindset of, you know, stress, sleep, digestion, lifestyle, and then obviously training and nutrition. And that helped started to de develop the philosophy of body sick. And that's how, you know, like from learning from either people that had learned from him or learning from him directly, there was a direct correlation between that and the speed of results I was getting with clients and the success that I had as well, you know? So yeah, to, to summarize it again, learn more to earn more, innovate and holistic. Mm. And that informed BodySeek and that informed the creation of BodySeek and how you, that's your specialty for you guys, for those who don't know, uh, for Dale and Tim, um, is body composition, uh, at least from the outset, that that's what uh, you guys portray. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, it's a big topic. It encapsulates nutrition, encapsulates stress management, holistic health, all of these different arms of health. 
What do you guys think people get most wrong? Because you guys have seen a lot, you've experienced a lot, seen a lot of people. What do people get most wrong with body composition? Most common mistakes I, you don't look, have to make. I've been, like I said, I've been in the industry over 15 years. I've seen a lot of shit personal trainers. Um, I don't even know how to answer that because I see so much wrong. I see, <laughs> I see fucking terrible exercise selection. I see people doing exercises for the gram or people like jumping way too far ahead in the client's training age for exercise they shouldn't do. I see hard nutrition protocols. Like people with only a cert three, cert four who've never done any other nutrition courses, just getting something that they got from someone who got some from, you know, a bodybuilder who competed in the 1970s. And, and yeah, so nutrition is one thing people fuck up a lot and, it's yeah it's 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 even more scary when you get influences or personal trainers that are influences in the academic realm teaching their view on nutrition and it's actually like basically starving people do you know what i mean but um yeah it's a range like look it was a saying i think i learned this from charles too 20 percent in the industry make 80 percent of the income and I'd say that's definitely true for our industry because I think only 20% of the industry is actually quality, you know? Yeah, it's Pareto's, Pareto's uh, law, the 80-20 principle, and that applies to pretty much every industry. Um, but from what I've understood from you, Tim, it's, I'm trying to kind of find, I'm trying to find the, uh, the, the little nuggets in, in, in what you're saying in that for the nutrition side, people or coaches often put their clients in way too much of a deficit and Absolutely. which yeah. wrecks their metabolic rate and endocrine system. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So there, I see like, I see people either going just too low calorie in general and, or just not understanding the macronutrients and the impact on hormonal health. So yeah. having women like down to 1100 calories and they have no fat in their diet, it's going to fuck them up. Yeah. Right. But the worst, and you know what? Like I won't mention them, but there's a there's a a gym that's been around forever that, like for many, is it specializes in competitors, and they don't know nutrition. They just do these old school bodybuilding stuff, and they they shred. Like everyone does the same programs, everyone does the same nutrition, and it's literally just protein and greens and minimal carbohydrates and next to no fat. And it's, it's really just a survival of the fittest in terms of genetics. So they do get success because they get people shredded. But it's it's what happens after the after. Do you know what I mean? Like they get messed up. So, you know, um, it's people just need to really invest in and learn about nutrition and learn about, you know, what they're doing like with the macro prescriptions, you know, and what, what happens with what happens with people's bodies, you know? Like obviously a cert three, cert four PT isn't technically qualified in nutrition. That's why you need continuing education. But there's things like we use eye nutrition. Uh, we, 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 like I've done many nutrition short courses and mentorships and things over the years. But the best thing we've done is, is being able to use eye nutrition. And that's basically was put together by uh, Stefan and Dane from clean health so you got someone with a dietetics degree and someone with a nutritional medicine degree and 
they put their things together and then everything's above board, right? So, um, and even in the nutrients tab of that software, we can see the deficiencies, even in the food selection that we make on people's milk plans. We can see if they're low in iron, low in zinc, low in calcium, you know what I mean? So we can either further recommend supplements from there or we can, um, you know, know, okay, well, this is wrong. We need to change this, you know what I mean? But yeah, that's... I could go on forever about that. There's, there's so much thing wrong, man. There's so much like, and even just stupid shit, even like not having protein set high enough for like immunity or muscle mass or yeah. retention. Like it just, I just see, I just see fucked up shit all the time. You know, that makes me think, um, cause I'm going through my own exercise nutrition science degree and, and going through these nutrition units is, is a particularly, I love it, but you'll see that the, Recommended daily intake for protein is, uh, I want to get this right. I believe it's 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. So we're basically looking at around 0.8 to one times. So we're looking at like 70, 80 grams of protein a day, right? More than for breakfast. Right. <laughs> that's that's the exact reason. No disrespect. That's the exact reason why I didn't do uni when it comes to nutrition, because. I think as you get further and like obviously you've done other courses and other studies so you know that a little bit more but the generic stuff like I've had consults with uh, you know people that have done nutrition course like degrees or whatever and it's like the fuck did you actually learn or is this like the food pyramid government guidelines from you know, 20 years ago like what the right. fuck are you learning and, and that's um, I, like universities definitely have their limitations so I don't want to put that all in university it those recommendations come from the government from uh the the health body of the government those are the recommended daily intakes for example 22 uh, 2300 uh, milligrams of sodium per day 2.3 grams um okay maybe for you you don't exercise you don't sweat you you're putting no demands on your body but for the athlete for the individual who's training who has a high sweat rate and they're cardiovascularly quite conditioned so they have an early sweat rate and a high sweat rate yeah maybe you need like double that and so these electrolytes are critically important. And so I think that just goes on to what you're saying, Tim, is like, we need to critically think, laterally think. It can't be just a one size fits all for everyone. And that's, it's for sure. Never, never gone down that path with the one size fits all thing. Like it has to be individualized and um, specific to the client's needs. Exactly. Dale, I, me, me and Tim have kind of, we've, we've gone off for a little bit. Um, I want Dale and Costa, Dale especially. What, what do you what do you make of all this the nutrition side and um, where PTs get it wrong and w- coming back to the actual body composition mistakes people make? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll speak first about the general pop and then I'll, I'll extend that to the PTs. I think just as a general rule, people eat poorly. Um, you know, I think that's especially more now, probably in the last you know twenty or thirty years, I suppose, compared to maybe what people are eating you know, comparatively in the, in the fifties, sixties and seventies and that, um, and, and, and especially females, not to single that demographic out, but, um, you know, people tend to eat very sporadically. Uh, they, they tend to eat, um, you know, little to no, you know, nutritional value in, you know, the first half of the day. Um, you know, they tend to eat not enough protein. So, you know, the typical diet, you know, for an office worker, for example, in Melbourne, you know, they might need anything until one or two o'clock. Really, they they might have a coffee to get their day started, and they might have a muffin, which is basically nutritionally void. 
and then they're really not eating until one or two o'clock. And, and, and you know, at that time, they might eat you know, a, a small salad with a little bit of chicken or, or something like that. And then they'll have a you know, medium-sized meal at night. Um, and then you know, what, you know, whatever happens on the weekend or whatever binges you know, happen to make up the, um, you know, the rest of the calorie intake that's preventing them from getting you know, leaner. So I think as a general, people just eating poorly. So if people go back to eating you know, what they should be at a very minimum, you know, three decent-sized meals a day, you know, something fairly close to when they wake up you know, for breakfast that has some protein, has some good fat, a good lunch, good dinner, maybe some snacks in between there that are still comprised of mainly animal animal meat, you know, good fibrous uh, vegetables, you know, good oils, stuff that come from the ground, stuff that's natural. I think it goes a long way to enhancing someone's health and then by default there makes uh, body composition changes a lot easier. So I think that's just something that anyone can implement on. Um, and then, you know, we get a lot of you know, people that, that go from having that sort of lifestyle and they become PTs and then they don't, you know, by default, they don't tend to recommend the the right dietary interventions to their clients as well. You know, we you know things like as as we said, you know things like cereal for breakfast, stuff like that is just not really um, you know the ideal scenario. So I think as a general rule, people are just eating poorly to begin with and and, and malnourished. Um, so if people can rectify that with the interventions that I said, it you know it goes a long way. Uh, supplementation is is a big thing that that can definitely help. Uh, for body composition and, and then people mess this up quite a lot um, again because the, you know influences on Instagram or things that look you know sexy and new rather than things that are, um, are going to help someone's health so you know we, we need to look at supplementation as yeah again supplementing the diet and then um, really uh, really enhancing health more than anything so things like a, a multivitamin um, you know, a good quality one at that things like fish oil, things like something to help the digestion. So that might be things like hydrochloric acid or uh, digestive enzymes, uh, a probiotic can go a long way and, and things like, uh, and things to shore up more, more deficiencies like zinc and magnesium. We see you know, deficient nearly uh, always with, with people. So that can go a long way to enhancing health before we've even sort of talked about any, you know, dedicated fat burners or anything else to help, um, you know, specific needs. Uh, and then training too. I think we've we've sort of made a bit of a circle in the last few years. I, I think with maybe some of the the evidence based uh, gurus uh, having a bigger influence. I think the training for a lot of people has actually become uh, less. Uh, I think people aren't training anywhere near as hard as what we what we've seen you know decades ago. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are just you know going through the motions. You know, for good rapid body comp changes, you you know you need to train you know at least three, if not four times a week being the ideal. And, you know, you need to train hard. Uh, I think people are really forgetting that. Uh, you know, maybe for, for strength development, we have to keep the volumes, you know, on, on the low side. But for good rapid body comp changes, you know, you really need to be putting in the work um, and doing high volumes at, at, at that. And, and, you know, it can really go a long way to creating rapid changes. That doesn't mean to say you should be doing that all the time. But I think to create good, good changes, um, you know, you really need to put the work in the gym. So if you can hammer down those three things and can really go a long way. Well said. Costa, you, you've well been said. you've been uh, observing in the background, listening. Do you have anything to say on, on all this? Oh, look, I'm on the same. I still do a lot of body composition stuff as well. We do a lot of um, non-week challenges and all that sort of stuff. But like Dale said, a lot of people will just eat poorly from the start. And just about changing, you know, those habits, you know, even from just as little as, you know, even having breakfast and making time 
that can have breakfast and they can wake up that 15 minutes earlier and then work out with the client, you know, even if it's, you know, making a, a juice in the morning or a smoothie, just to even kick, you know, kickstart their day, kickstart their metabolism. Because a lot of people are not just, they're just eating poorly. They're not eating enough. They're not eating often. They're just, you know, like, like the boys were saying, as we all know, they'll look on, you know, Instagram and they look at all these influencers, you know, having this. Doesn't mean if they're having that, doesn't mean it's not going to work on you because everybody's different. It's not a one size fit all approach. So everybody needs to be looked at and monitored different, you know, in different body sizes, different goals, different everything. But like I said, with a lot of PTs that I said, they pretty much don't use this, that they come to me, they'll use the same diet on like six, seven people. It's like, it's not going to work. And a lot of, so like, you know, deficient, like I've been seeing like a lot of 1,000, you know, calorie diets. Like you can't do that when someone's training three, four times a week. And that's a scope that I want to change, especially in the fighting game. There's not that much knowledge around it, right? So a lot of people, they come, you know, usual fire training will go for two hours a night. But a lot of them are not fueling up throughout the day. They'll have something small. They'll have like, an, you know, before I started training um, a professional boxer, uh, Johnny Manuel, I'll give him a shout out. He's had, you know, he's great talent, but his nutrition was so poor. When I worked it out, he's only having like 1,300 calories a day and he's training like three hours a day. He's doing a road run in the morning, coming in, and, he, and no wonder why he's always tight because he's not fueling his body to, to, to maximize his performance. So I changed the way he thinks, I changed the way he eats, I changed the way he comes into the training, what he carries in his bag, right? And it's it needs to be more education and then yeah. around all that sort of stuff. And especially with my junior athlete development, I tell them, you know, they wake up in the morning, they're running late, they're going straight to a game. That's worse. That's the injury's ready to happen. So just changing those habits and, you know, putting documents together for them just to give them four or five different things they can have for breakfast but obviously what works for me alex and what work for you for breakfast it's not going to work for someone else so you give them you know four or five different you know ideas and whatever works for the individual and whatever they feel good on on game day or and all that sort of stuff they can run off with with that protocol and that's what that's why the boys were saying before it can't be a one-size-fits-all approach but one size fits all is easy to make money you make one program, right. you make it look sexy, and you go, there's my 100K. Yeah, but the same, yeah, that's right. But we can't, you're not going to get results. And everyone that we get through the door, especially like, you know, junior athlete development and, you know, getting senior athletes, when you do like a screening on them, everybody moves different. Everybody needs something. Right? And you can't just sit there and, and, you know, you build the foundation, but at the same time, work on the weaknesses that they have. And like the boys were saying, we've got to, you know, it's like me, I look at the people that, you know, have done where I want to be and I just follow them and, and, and just got to keep educating and always keep upskilling because you can never stay complacent. You know, knowledge is power and you can you can never stop learning. For sure. Um, I think it, my biggest, the one that I like the most, if you stop, if you think you know everything, you're pretty much dead. Yeah. So it shouldn't, yeah. It's the, it's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Is that, I don't know if you guys have seen it or heard of it. Um, it it's at the start, you think you know a lot but you know not much and then it increases and it goes up and you once get to get to the point you realize oh i, I know more but there's so much like that the, there's a huge thing right. that you gotta look it up to if you, if you guys um anybody listening who doesn't understand it look up the danny kruger effect yeah no no i completely understand it i never forget uh going to luke lehman's muscle nerds the first time he ran in melbourne and i was like i'd come off a few successful uh comp preps and you know like look largely it's always been gen pop and you know things were going well and then i was like fuck me like i know a lot but this guy is just like yeah. another level what the hell 
it was just a different world. But that pushes you. It, it it either pushes you, it scares you, and intimidates you, and you get down, or it pushes you to, towards more, further towards excellence. You decide. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. And you know what? It's funny. Like being in the industry as long as I have been, I feel like I'm more passionate and more hungry to get better now than ever before. Why do you think yeah. that is? I don't know. I think because I've seen success in the studio, I've seen success with our, our results, you know, and the fact that, you know, we've got a good market, we've got a good demographic, like it's majority general population, upper middle class to high end. And just being that person, being able to help people really achieve something that they, they couldn't do elsewhere. Um, that's, you know, and, and like, I never want to get complacent. Like, you know, I don't want to always want to get better. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So if I'm getting a great result now, I want to get an excellent result later on. Like I always want better. Right. Absolutely. It's that, it's that chasing of excellence. Um, I want to talk about the certificate three and four. Um, not ours necessarily, but in general, like what did you guys find when you did your set three and four that was helpful? And what do you think are the biggest gaps that you wish were filled? I'd, um, yeah, I did my set three and four back in 2010. Um, yeah, again, like just like one of those short courses, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't learn much. I think once I walked away from it, so I was like hungry. I'm like, I need to keep, I need to keep learning. Um, you know, I need to keep learning, I need to keep getting better. Um, I think the biggest thing was there wasn't that much practical application. It was like you go into the into the gym downstairs and then they just take you through three, four machines. Um, it was just more about, you know, getting, getting you over the line so they can you know, get you over the line and that's it pretty much. So like, all right, here's your test. All right, remember what we did in, remember the first exercise, that was pretty much the first answer. Remember the second, remember the second, there's your pretty much answer there wasn't that much you know actually going in depth and actually learning how to program as much and you know and then even just you know they could have bought in you know they were teaching like a boxing segment and you know obviously i know my boxing but the guy never done any boxing and they're just trying to put a few things together which i knew was wrong um so i think it's just about getting the right people so if you want to teach a unit on nutrition but the guy that's teaching it doesn't have no idea about nutrition or no background no degree shouldn't be teaching that unit if you want to teach boxing but you know you've never had any boxing experience get someone else in so i think that was the biggest gap the practical application wasn't up to scratch um it was just pretty much just yeah a quick a quick course get qualified um yeah there wasn't there wasn't that much uh learning um i left um, once I did the course, I was hungry to learn. I'm like, where do I go from here? Um, you know, I went to Melbourne Uni, Diploma of Sports Development, you know, ASCA, Functional Movement Screens, um, you know, went overseas, you know, learned and learned from people that are up there and, um, you know, subscribed to pretty much every, you know, so many so many different subscriptions, you know, like the Joe DeFranco, Complementary PT, uh, Science for Sport and like three, four other stuff that I do i've got books i've got dvds um i always keep asking people that are above me you know to mentor me and help me out just to keep learning because the search three and four did not have up to scratch enough practical application and that's all we need and yeah just a bit more a bit more theory i just didn't think it was i think it was just too basic mm. and there was we'll just wait we'll just yeah we'll just like come in let's get qualified and 
that's pretty much it. And I've learned everything away from that and pretty much doing it myself or learning from people from up the top. I don't think I can recall taking much away from my Cert 3 and 4. Well, that's, that's, a, that's the frustrating thing. And so many young coaches and older coaches like you guys look back and be like, this was shit, this was shit, this was shit. But to, for some optimism, well, of course we're biased. I'm sure there's other companies out there who are trying to do a really great job too. But there are companies like Orphic who are trying to fix that. Exactly what you said, Costa, and make the best certs so then kids and young students and young trainers can come out and be prepared and confident and competent. And, um, yeah, and, and that's why I like, I've got about six, seven PTs that come to me for mentoring. And then the first question I ask them, just give them you know, scenarios and all that sort of stuff about programming, and they have no idea. Right at all not even a basic where do we start what do we do what's step number one what's step number two they don't have that because not even in their certs are actually learning that right and then not just that there's a lot of online pts out there how how are you going to become an online personal trainer when you can't even talk to a person that is personal training is is face to face right group training is is face to face you've got to know how to you know communicate and execute exercises by by demonstrating so a lot of them that come to me through online, they have no idea. They don't even know what activation actually is. You ask them about mobility, they think about static stretching before a class. As I'm saying, the the education is in certain region fours, 99% of the time, they don't, you don't learn what's really working in, in the real world. And when I tell them, they're like, oh, okay, oh, I never got taught in the course. I'm like, what did you get taught? So they show me a book with like 10, 15, um, 10, 15 exercises that are that on a machine. You know, oh, do this, chest flies like this. It's like, no, learn how to move. That's just, that's what I've gathered from all the ones that I'm getting and that's what's frustrating me. That's why I want to try mentor as many people as possible just so they can get to a better level and a better standard and whatever I've learned through my journey, pass it over to them so they can become a better coach. But most importantly, have more confidence in themselves to take the sessions because when they come to me, they're very, they're very down. Like I can't get results. I don't know what to do from here. I don't know how to progress him because all they're doing is trying to 20 exercises and hoping for the best. And I said, no, scrap it back. Start with your big compound. Go to unilateral work. Do you know what I mean? Do some supplemental work, do some core work, then do conditioning, right? And have them a bit of a, of a template because they don't even have a template to train their own clients. And when you're like that, you know, you, you realize you go, I can't keep doing this anymore. Like, I'm not getting results. And that's why they lose the passion because they, they've gone, they don't have any direction for their client. They don't even have any direction for themselves. I appreciate your passion and enthusiasm, man. That's what, I've, that's what I'm actually starting to realize. And the more I do it, the more I'm getting up with these courses, they're not learning at all. That's going to change. That's changing now. Dale, Tim, what do you think? Uh, mine's pretty short. I actually never did a Cert 3 and 4 in personal training. I uh, was fortunate enough to get recognition of prior learning through uh, an exercise and sports science degree. So I can't really comment on a uh, Cert 3 4 that I did. And so uh, I never did one. However, I, I can comment on uh, the exercise and science degree that I did. Um, and uh, I think this is a common theme is, is that people are coming out of universities uh, lacking the skills required to, um, you know, to train people effectively. They've got a, uh, a very thin but broad uh, level of knowledge across a, a variety of domains, but uh, lacking in the specialization skills that are required to, to train someone in the, in, in the gym. Um, so uh, I think regardless of, of whether 
know, you've come out of a degree or whether a cert three, four, you know, you really have to spend your time in the trenches. I think, um, you know, honing your skills. Yeah, absolutely. I was fortunate, Alex, like I was saying to you, I did my TAFE course in, I think, 2005. And this was before even like the AIF was around or it was just before. Um, it was a, a blend of full-time and part-time uh, tuition. And like when it was full-time, you know, we'd be there, say Monday to Friday, all morning would be theory, all afternoon would be prac, and then there'd be a recap. I was really fortunate that um, my two main uh, lecturers were people that were very successful in the industry at the time as well, like um, the assistant lecturer and the guy who took us for nutrition and um, a few other things in the course. He was working with Dennis Pagan at Carlton at the time. He was doing their nutrition. Uh, he was doing their rehab is on the works and Nigel Alex one of the biggest influences of my career was you know uh, I think back like he had his exercise science degree and his master's um, he had his own studio and sold it been successful and I, they just taught us a lot of practical application the theory and the reasons why so I always say when I when I'd finished my and even the periodization like they don't learn that now so when I'd finished my set three, set four, I was qualified to be able to sit down with a client, do a consult and plan all their programming based on the end goal for 12 months. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, I just needed to go. I just needed to get my foot in the door in the gym and work. And, and the other thing too, back then you needed to do your 30 hours on the floor um to to get signed off so right after i'd finished my course i did my 30 hours at my local gym and i'd gone through their processes and their systems and i, I was ready to go to work in a gym environment as gym instructor back then um and and obviously be successful i think the downfall was there was that much more focus on being a gym instructor on that at the time personal training was still not so popular there wasn't much focus on the, on the pt session like i learned that in the trenches but now now it's a different world like the guys basically the course is now unfortunately and obviously all think are changing that but the course is now is basically a piece of paper to qualify you to learn more in our industry and that's what they've got to do like like from the outset the the amount i learned in my course is probably the equivalent of you know four extra courses posted for now all right that's it well, at least you were fortunate enough to get a solid foundation uh, with your one, and which people can get if they know how to source a quality certificate. Um, and we got a question from uh, someone who's chimed in on the live, Lachlan Puyol, from a strength and conditioning perspective, we know that simple foundations is key. How do you sell simple exercises in the private sector to maintain clientele? Costa. Well, you got to, yeah, Lockie, uh, great question. He's one of the boys that I mentor as well. Um, it's just about telling, it's just about, you know, if they, was that juniors, Alex? Was it a junior? No, no reference to juniors, just how do we sell simplicity? Well, it's just about telling them what the goal is, really, and say, this way you're, this way you're going to be, this is where I want you to be. You got to give an athlete a vision, what they have to work with with you. That's why I believe in it. That's why I think I've got success. And, 
people think you know or you know develop um snc and development is just is just they don't last long but a lot of my athletes have been with me for four or five years right because they know where i want to get them so it's never you know like the way i like to look at it um it's to an end not the end right so when you get to a goal it's to get to another goal you know and making those different parameters you know can you body weight squat after a while can you goblet squat can you front squat effectively can you back squat all right, you know, you've done that, no problem. Now we're gonna we wanna squat one times your body weight. We wanna um, squat your body weight. All right. After that, we wanna get 1.5 times your body weight. So I'm always giving you always gonna give them that vision where you want them to be. Right. And if you and if you do testing, which I do, a lot of high performance testing, um, you know, um 20 meter sprint, you know, five, you know, agility, um, endurance and all that sort of stuff. And then you look at it as a whole and you go, okay, you are lacking in this aspect. Okay, we want to improve this. So when we come back and retest in 12 weeks, we want this to improve, not so much with this because you're really good. So you've got a good 20-meter sprint, you know, fast-switch fibers, your endurance is not the best. This programming that we're going to do is going to help you with this to get to this level. So if you get them to buy into your vision and where you want them to be, you'll have long-term success. And then you're going to have that buying and that checking. And once, and again, we in the industry where we need to get results. So if they see their improvement in whatever you do, they know that they have their trust in you, and they go, you know what, no problem, we'll we'll do whatever. And that's that, and that's probably the best. I can keep re- talking about this. No, that's great. Question. But I think that's probably the that's best. That's so important. Point. I think it's a reminder for all of us that you know every client has a different set of goals and different outcomes that they want, and it's a constant reminder and giving them something to aim towards, and that's going to help accountability. That's going to help retention. Why is client retention low? Well, are you giving them, are we giving them something to work towards physically, mentally, habit-wise, beyond training, all of these things? I think it's a great, great reminder and super practical uh, advice, Costa. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Dale, what do do you think? Um, The question's in the chat if you uh, forgot. Yeah, I mean, mean, moving on from what sort of Costa said, I mean, we're we're not really in a... uh... I mean, we are in the training business, but we're in the results business. I mean, at the, the end of the day, that's what what we're paid to do is get people results. Um, so uh, I think, as as Costa alluded to, if people are seeing those results are happening, then it's, it's quite easy to keep clientele on. If if they don't see results happening, then you know it's quite easy to lose them. Um, and I think that's where people fall into the trap of needing to invent fancy exercises to keep the client amused, is that they're not actually creating them results. They're they're trying to keep them entertained. Um, I mean, I'm quite fortunate, you know, whether it's been from a from a sporting clientele or gen pop or whether it's PT clientele, the people I tend to deal with are, you know, they're quite educated and quite smart. Uh, so I think, you know, it's relatively easy if, if you're talking sense just to explain to them, you know, this is what we need to do to, you know, get to where you need to be. If they're seeing those those key things improve, then it's it's quite easy to keep clientele. But at the end of the day, if you're not getting results, I think that's when a lot of people uh, feel the need to, you know, do fancy exercises to keep people entertained. Absolutely. Results business, get results. Tim, what do you, what do you want to finish off with? Um, I was just, sorry, I got interrupted by an email. Look, I've got nothing to add on that question. Um, how do we sell the simple exercises? Nothing extra to add? Again, no, no, nothing else to add. It's, it's just results and you got to, you know, it's the art of coaching. Like you, you get the buy-in in the initial console, you know, and so you're demonstrating value, you're showing results of obviously previous clients, but 
the language you use and the confidence you have, that's fuck. So, um, the language you use, the conf- yeah. That's that's where you should be able to get the buy-in, and you should be able to explain to the client, like, okay, that's a shit exercise, or that's an Instagram exercise, or yeah, that's a great exercise, but you're not there yet. Like, you need to, you know, crawl before you walk, and this is where you start, but this is where you'll be. Great point. And you give them something to work towards. You give them measurements. You measure now. You make a plan for the future. And you measure periodically. That's why recording every rep, every set in programs is so critical. Yeah. Guys, only respectful of your time. We're going a bit over an hour now. Um, Thank you guys so much for taking the time to do this. I just want to leave you guys with, if you've got any last parting thoughts, comments, um, asks of our audience. Um, If not, tell people where people can find you and uh, yeah, what you want to um, give to them. No, that's... Yeah, I don't have much to add to that because, you know, obviously we're running out of time. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to find me, um, you can search up 77 Fitness um, on Instagram uh, or Facebook or you can just direct message me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm more than happy to um, answer any questions anybody has, you know, with the help industry. If, um, yeah, if anybody's lost in a bit of direction, especially PTs, you can reach out and, uh, yeah, we can have a chat. And then, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, really. All good. Thank you, Costa. And you guys are body sake. Our first. Yeah, oh, I mean, you can find us find us at body sake through uh, Facebook, Instagram, or uh, web. You know, personally, me and Tim are um, online uh, through those mediums as well. So we're all always happy to uh, take your inquiries or questions. Uh, just some parting words. I just hope everyone that's tuned in today, you know, continues to use their um, three weeks until uh, gyms are opening wisely. Um, you know, work on the things that we, we talked about uh, today and just be relentless in your pursuit of uh, excellence. So that's all I've got. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to thank Orphic for their, their time today and hopefully we might be able to do something like this again and uh, keep people educated. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely up for that. No, thanks, yeah. thanks for your time, Alex. Thanks for the opportunity today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, guys. Right. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Thank you. Done. All right, guys. This webinar Wednesday is done. Uh, here's where you can find about all future ones. The next one we got is with Brett Bartholomew. That's right, Brett Bartholomew. Let me scroll down, and you guys are going to see. We did Mickey's. This was this week, and then we're going to be updating this, and you guys are going to see um, that all the upcoming schedules and shows will be here. You're going to see our past podcasts here which are all on YouTube, Spotify, all podcasting platforms is coming now. And if you guys want to be informed of when our next uh, podcasts are, our weekly podcast every Wednesday live with different coaches from all around the world, just go to Orphic Education webinar Wednesday. We do certificate threes and fours in fitness. If you hadn't already known, if you're a trainer or know somebody um, who, who wants to become not just an okay trainer, but actually cares about being great in this industry, then let us know and we we might be a good fit for you. Um, Stay tuned for next week, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in.